Hi, and welcome to Jim and Winston's Seize the Day. Hey, Today, Jim. Uh, hey, Winston, how are you? Good, good. It's our 16th episode, Jim. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's January 2017. Can you believe it, Jim? I don't know where the time's going, Winston. I know. It's so dramatic, isn't it? So, you know, we're, we're actually getting high tech now. We even got new acoustics to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> Here are the guitar strings. We're throwing the music in there now. <laughs> so, Jim, what should we talk about today? Well, uh, Winston, you know, to be congruent with the entering the new year, we thought we would talk about shift. Yeah. How we how we shift our thinking, our lifestyles, you know, any number of things that that uh, you know we, we want to progress to a different direction or or whatever or even continuing to do what we do but shift in what we consider important in what we do yeah almost dynamic changes of perspective i mean this all came about so we give our listeners a bit of background I was like uh jim and i were kind of chatting um through text and stuff and then i was mentioning how i i was watching um the the movie the shift by wayne dyer and um one of our favorite authors there among the many uh, Deepak and everybody else out there and um, uh, he had this movie called The Shift that I'd watched a while back and I found um, uh, they had that on YouTube as well and then uh, Jim and watched that with his wife as well and we just thought that came up as a topical thing and we, then today we were thinking about what to talk about and we were talking about these um, these shifts that occur in our life you know yeah and it, there's there's numerous areas these these can happen in, and uh, you know I'll, I'll give you one example right now it's a little bit more literal than figurative but you know I was doing I was doing a little bit of a test fitness wise or not so much fitness wise but just to see how I progressed and I did this exercise called the Turkish stand wow. and I strained both rotator cuffs doing it oh and my gosh I have one one shoulder that's better than the other so the bad shoulder is currently the good shoulder and the good shoulder is currently the bad shoulder oh my God. I'm trying to shift things back to where they used to be but it's a it's a very slow road right now oh wow I've been to chiropractic and massage therapy and and uh, found a few exercises through friends and all this sort of stuff but anybody who's had a rotator cuff challenge will know that that shift takes time, and I, I'm not. I'm probably only halfway in that. Oh wow, that's that's so, weird. Hmm. Yeah, but what's the fun side of that? You know, you gotta put a little effort in to get something out. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, over the holidays, I hurt my foot. I think I told you about that too, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw the saw the uh, the stitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, funny. You know, that was a shift in my my focus for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give the listeners a bit of background. And I was, uh, you know, trying to help a client. I was grabbing a box from up top. And I don't know if this, this cautionary tale will help anybody out there listening. But uh, food for thought. If you ever have a bunch of banker's boxes above um, head, head level, don't put stuff on top of it because you never know where you're going to grab that box and stuff's going to come tumbling down. <laughs> and sure enough, I had put something heavy on top of a banker's box that I needed grabbed the banker's box, forgetting that I had something on top of it, this big metal object fell off it and landed on my foot, which then led to bleeding, stitches, and long-term recovery. <laughs> <laughs> so, needless to say, I'm still recovering now. It's been a couple of weeks now. 
Um, but it did sort of make me refocus that I think what I took from it, Jim, was that, you know, in the process of trying to help others, take the time to do it in a safe way. <laughs> that was a different shift in my consciousness. Any speed that I would have gained by helping that fellow out was offset by the fact that I had to go to the hospital to get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and you know, you could consider the location of the impact to be almost as good as it gets because, you know, it could have been worse. There could have been a toe severed or something of that nature. Yeah, I know. And you know what? It was very lucky because had it been an inch or two over, it would have hit a main vein. Yeah, yeah. And then, then you're into a whole bunch of other issues. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, serendipity happens. You know, you, you, you think it's a bad event, but there's also things that could have happened worse, you know. And um, the day that I, that happened, my wife happened to be home and she drove me to the hospital. And just so happened I, I beat the rush because, you know, there was not a huge lineup. And then I got through uh, emergency and anybody who's been to the emergency in a hospital um, if you can get out of there within three hours you're already a happy camper and sure enough they were able to x-ray my foot and and do the stitches and everybody that I met was very nice that day and then you know a bit of a slow recovery but you know needless to say I can still walk and everything so but it did symbolically remind me Jim that um, to you know repace and refocus because I think sometimes we get injuries in certain parts of our body they're symbolic, like, you know, if they, they say if you get back pain, it be, might be that you have lack of support. Foot pain, depending on left or right leg, could be fear of moving forward or making changes or shifts, maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, all these symbolic things, that kind of ties me back to, like, books by Louise Hay, you know, You Can Heal Your Life, about how certain illnesses and, and ailments are reflective about where you are emotionally as well as psychologically, right? Yeah, that's an enlightenment, enlightenment to me. Yeah, it's actually a really deep book. Anybody who hasn't read it, um, Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. It's one of the most well-known um, uh, kind of self-help books, almost like a self-help Bible, on um, on seeing your illnesses or your diseases, which she calls dis-ease, right? Breaking up the word. And then how that is um, uh, is a, is more of a discomfort rather than a disease um, and reframing it so that looking for the other barriers that actually lead to the illnesses that you have. Yeah, yeah, I'm shining some light on my situation because the day I did it, it never really happened in one moment. And then you go back to work and you're hunched over a desk in a bad position, you know, and it took basically a month to really manifest and progressively go downhill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's telling me, you know, I, I need to do work that's got more movement to it mm -hmm. or find more movement in my work, however you want to look at it. Yeah, it, it's funny. These little reminders, you know how we're talking about um, synchronicities and how certain things are signs of, for us to either slow down or just when you hear the same repeated information that you start to feel that it's meant for you? Um, yeah, yeah you're, getting a, you're getting a tap on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Right, and and sometimes we pay attention to that, and sometimes it takes you know uh, maybe a uh, a little bit more than a tap on the shoulder. Yeah, and and it's when we, but if we stay open to that possibility of um, you know that there's a intuitive side of us that's actually looking out for us at all times, that um, it does change our uh, perspective that we're not we're not in this process alone, you know. I'm starting to really get enlightened about that because I think a lot of times we see our our existence as something that's um, 
Uh, I think Western culture has it so that we live primarily on our own and we have to learn to struggle. We achieve um, uh, through effort and nothing's handed to us. But is that really true? You know, remember that part in the movie of The Ship where Wayne Dyer was saying uh, in the movie that, you know, for the first nine months of your life, everything was provided for you. And then we stop, we change that belief after we're born to think that everything that has to happen will take over from here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty interesting concept. Like what, what shifted, what shift in consciousness led us to believe that we have to be so involved and that things aren't provided to us. We just, it's just an assumption that that's true, but it may or may not be true. Yeah. That, that one's a real, real big struggle to me simple you know everybody has a different uh, uh, different experience once they enter the world I know and it's very easy to sort of say well that's not exactly true in my existence because we can think of a lot, lot of excuses of or situations where um, you know our our success could be related to our efforts without um, and without those efforts would would our success would have would have would it have existed? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole nature nurture question in that, but <laughs> yeah. So, you know, getting back to our topic about shifts yeah. and transitions, let's talk about a, a typical shift an average, um, person will go through like career changes, right? Like that's a pretty major shift, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and, and timing I think has a lot to do with, with, um, or timing and circumstances. You know, there's uh, there's times to maybe make a shift, mm -hmm. and you know, once maybe the mortgage is cleared off and there's no debt, and one could maybe look at shifting to some something that isn't as certain a regular stream of income as as what they have been used to, accustomed to. Right. Right. right? You know, so you know any number of ways that, that that could change. And I don't know that I'm looking in that direction, but mm -hmm. certainly that, you know, I would certainly like to enter into a shift of something with more creativity and activity to it. Mm. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, um, when I was thinking about um, transitions and shifts, we always think that the transitions and shifts have to be drastic. Sometimes they're not. Like, you know how couples will slowly drift in different directions and maybe get to the point where they have nothing in common, right? A uh, common scenario would be when a couple has a child and then it, they spend all these, it's all this energy raising kids and then at some point when the kid leaves the home, they realize they don't have a relationship because they haven't invested in that. You know, I'm just starting to think about how um, those those subtle shifts from focusing on, you know, the togetherness of having a relationship can then shift to having a child and, and you know, how all-encompassing it can get sometimes where you um, only think about the well-being of this other person outside yourself and then neglecting the fact that, that uh, relationships themselves need nurturing as well, like your own marriage and everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a very, very common scenario and uh, you know I think uh, the best you know, hopefully things get recognized along the path and and some time for 
maintenance and development and nurturing and all those things mm -hmm. of a relationship exist. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about um, our talk sometimes, we never, this one was completely, uh, other than a, a rough guideline of what we were trying to, to get to today, we don't really have like a, a really firm agenda on the day because we like to leave it a little bit open. Like our last podcast with the question and answer session was brilliant there, Jim. I, I, I credit you fully for the idea of that. I think that was like a great thing that we did because it shows the randomness of things. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I was thinking about, if you, let's talk back about um, the last, you know, five to ten years. Uh, what major shifts do you think have you encountered in life that, that really stand out for you in the last five to ten years? What have you noticed? Uh, two job changes. Okay. Um, both worth doing, mm -hmm. um, but one has taken a direction, the most recent one. Mm -hmm. That I didn't anticipate. Oh, okay. So my role has changed, blah, blah, blah. That's all out of my control. Mm -hmm. What is in, in my control is how I want to manage that. Mm, and should I want to shift to another job change? Right, right. And, and that's all good. You know, I, I think uh, it, it's... it's there's nothing negative in any of that. It's, I think it's recognition of the desire to have a change mm -hmm. and pursuit of a change mm -hmm. and recognizing what's the right change to make or shift. Wow. Right? Because change is easy to find. The right change isn't easy to find. No, that's true. That's true. Change is easy. It's the finding the right change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Change for the sake of change is pointless, but change for the sake of achieving, let's just use the activity and creativity mm -hmm. as an end result that still provides you with an income, mm -hmm. that's, that's something worth pursuing. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what, what um, I was thinking about a lot lately was that, you know... You know how we were um, talking about life purposes in previous episodes and and functions um, of what what we're brought on earth to do sometimes. Um, when I was watching that Wayne Dyer thing yesterday, um, and it was talking about the each person's dharma, you know, and um, you know dharma is kind of a, an interesting word in itself because it has basis in both Hinduism and Buddhism as well, and. Um, it's like in Hinduism, it's like what they consider like a principle of some kind of a larger order, like a cosmic order um, in that, like, for example, a flower might have a dharma to look beautiful or, you know, maybe um, their purpose is to supply uh, pollen for, for bees and things like that, right? Uh, or uh, in Buddhism, it's usually like a, a, a teaching about... Um, you know, some level of, of purpose that is inbred from the time you're born. I, and I think that's like almost like a blueprint or a life print of what our purpose is. And the media and also other books have kind of watered it down to the point, oh, well, we'll just do what we're passionate about. That's good enough. But one thing that was kind of interesting when I was watching the movie yesterday is that Wayne was dis discriminating between the difference or... Um, dissecting the difference between just having a passion 
and having a passion that serves a greater purpose to help others. You know, I think, if, for example, let's say you're, you're a great football player. I mean, you can only play so much football in your room, <laughs> and, it may, <laughs> and it may help you to have your own football field to play on your own and not show the world how great of a player you are or, or play on a team, but ultimately, how does that serve the larger community? It really doesn't if you choose to keep all your gifts to yourself. On the larger scale, maybe by you playing on a, on a televised scale or in a team environment, maybe you're setting an example that others can follow or, or other ways. But I think the core element that was a missing piece of the puzzle for me prior to watching that was that, you know, I thought, okay, well, people have their purpose in life, but is their purpose only to serve themselves? I don't think so. I think there's a larger purpose to serve something greater than themselves. That's what makes it uh, a dharma. Yeah, and I, I really, uh, last night when I watched the movie and, and heard the dharma brought up and then hearing your explanation and and I have gained a lot of insight from what, how you've put it. I, I, I think that's very wise. But you know what? I, I've just recently read some stuff by Deepak on Dharma as well. Oh, his, good. Mm. In his LinkedIn posts. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it goes to higher consciousness and understanding a mm. purpose and, and those things. So there, there's a congruency there. And when I heard Wayne say Dharma last night, it, you know, it kind of really piqued me because of you know, what I'd recently read in the last couple of weeks. Right. So, you know, so there, that, that idea of purpose is, has, has come into my uh, view twice now in a very short period of time. Yeah, so those are the minor, those are the little synchronicities we've been talking about before. How when it's like, um, when you, once in a while you don't see it, and then all of a sudden you see bombarded with that same information. It's like almost like a sign for you to focus on that. It's like when you buy a new car of a particular brand, you start to see all cars of that particular brand when you when they're probably driving around when you never noticed them before, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, to me, like when I would think about the Dharma principle, I think that you know, the Deepak thing might you might be onto something there. I mean, I think about Dharma more as something that some underlying. Um, not rules, but almost like the laws of nature that kind of that have that create some kind of order out of disorder. You know what I mean? Um, that that there's a purpose that's greater than what we see um, when we're actually living out our full potential. I mean, that's interpretation of it, but I figure, hey, if it serves me, great. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, you know, I, it, sometimes you think that, that as, as human beings we're moving for, forward by becoming more advanced in technology, and yet we have to go back to our roots to find out what we truly are about. Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's so much, so much information out there and, um, you know, new ideas and all that sort of stuff. And lots of times you'll find what was tried and true 2,000 years ago is still very good today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find it surprising that even current medical science, we seem to be reverting back to like herbs and natural uh, modalities for healing that have existed for thousands of years, but we just never, you know what, I think there was a certain level of trust that existed in the earlier days that, you know, if, 
if uh, Jim or your aunt said that, you know, anytime you get a cut, you put aloe on it, it works. You don't question why it works, you just know, because they, they've experienced it. You almost borrow from that experience. We almost over-intellectualize things to death now in scientific terms. We have to find out why it works that way. We have to scientifically prove that this has a purpose without just blindly accepting the fact that it might be good for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever watched the program Raymond? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, so there was an episode there where... Uh, Ray needed his house paint, painted and his dad was going to help him. And, uh, you know, his, he, you know, he wanted it white, but his dad said, no, nope, you need your house yellow. And they got in a big fight and, you know, nothing was happening. And, and anyway, at, at one point in the episode, uh, you know, Ray comes back to him and says, you know, okay, you know, we can do it. Uh, or he says, no, he asked him, why yellow? So, you know, his dad goes through all the reasons. It covers better. you got a white house on each side of you. Uh, it's going to stand out with your little daisies and blah, blah, blah. He goes down this list of excellent reasons to do it. But because it was that challenge between a father and a son mm -hmm. that he wouldn't assume... You know, and then this is all fictional, right? But he wouldn't assume that the dad knew what the hell he was doing. <laughs> but once it all got explained, and he said, well, why didn't you say that in the first place? He says, I shouldn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you should trust in my judgment. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you, know. you know, on that same theme of what we're talking about, uh, shifting, you know, I remember, I just, something came to mind. You know, remember when we were kids and um, the big thing was to make mixtapes, you know, like you tape songs off the radio and then you pick the favorite songs and wait for them to play the top 10 and then record those songs and then make your own mixtapes and then play them in your car and look real cool. <laughs> well, I, I, I still love putting a mix together. Yeah, it's cool, right? And then yeah. I'm just thinking about that transition from moving from 8-track tapes to actual tape tapes. And then moving from tapes to CDs and how that transition period um, seeming seamless, but our kids and our people that are younger now will not really experience that same experience because they may not have seen that technology. But it, it's not that our technology has necessarily gotten that much better. It's just a shift. That yeah, I, I used to do it. I I uh, I most of my music was on an al on vinyl, mm -hmm. and I recorded on cassette I try to you know go with a theme or you know sometimes you do double shot tape or you know things like that and, and even recorded John Candy way back in the day had a radio program called that radio show mm -hmm. so I recorded that a few times and you know it, it was always fun to do that and try and get a certain mix and a certain vibe going and all that but now with the playlist thing the computer wants to put the songs in the in a certain order based on I don't know what. Yeah, I know. Like play so, patterns. sometimes I, I I've got to figure out how the heck I can get the songs in the order I want on the playlist. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting how it kind of second guesses your. I mean, I think it's funny when I'm I'm listening to my iTunes or on my phone and it it says the top twenty five most played 
or your most popular tracks is tracking how often do I play a particular song to sort of get an idea of my aptitudes, right? And my preferences. And it's it's starting to... Um, in a way, it's cool that it knows what my preferences are, but in a way, it's ni- it would be nice if the phone took some time to get to know me, there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 Hey, I got a neat one for you that I can bring up. You know from yesterday's movie, um, Wayne Dyer brought up something called uh, mems or mimes. Like he talked about, it's a small subtle thing that I missed the first two times I watched the movie. But um, it was like, it's M-E-M-E-S. It's like memes or mems or (laughs) whatever. But he explained those things as little like almost like mind uh, worlds or mind viruses that or thoughts that you've been almost implanted with when you're born so that you believe that, okay, uh, simple things like having more toys is good and the people with the most toys are the happiest and money is important. All these basic um, uh, things about uh, human worth that have been implanted, that's all brought in and tied into what other people think of you. You know, like... Um, I'm I'm happier because I'm rich, or I'm happier because I'm married, or I'm happier because of what I have and what I do, rather than my value being tied into just being who you are, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I started stripping down to the the actual core essence of that uh, is who we are really about what we accomplish and what we do, or how much we have, or is it is our is there a, a like underlying value that each individual has um, outside of ownership or possession or accomplishment. Like, would you be the same person without your identity of your career and all these other roles? I mean, or do you identify with yourself as being um, a human being, core to that, uh, or do you you require uh, being labeled as a husband, as a, a son, as a provider, before you feel you have an identity in the world, it's a kind of deep thought. But I was just kind of throwing that out there, you know. That, yeah, that's a that's an excellent question, and I think everybody should think about that question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start in a kind of a funny place. Okay. I can't say I've ever tried to really do this, but uh, um, read an article on a on a rugby coach, Francois Rattier, who coaches the Canadian women's national 15s rugby team. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the article, um, he had a really good quote. And it's, it's what his, uh, his email sign-off and voicemail is. And it's, be yourself, everybody else is taken. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so for those people in the world that are trying to emulate Warren Buffett or Donald Trump or you know wh- whoever it is to get rich, right? And they may have success doing it. Who knows? That's that's their business. Mm-hmm. But they're not being their true selves. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with learning from somebody else and taking principles and using them for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with abundance. Uh, it's a matter of how you recognize the value of that abundance and are you just trying to create abundance for abundance sake or, you know, the, the, um, if you want to pursue being the richest man in the graveyard, fly at her. No one's going to show up when you die. 
That's you know, so, so I, you know, I, I think we have to, like you said, there has to be some purpose in what we do. And I don't identify myself at all through being any sort of occupation or anything. The career to me has always been an ends to a means. I want to be in a certain geography in the world that's mm-hmm. close to my family. Mm-hmm. And what I do is a secondary aspect of that. Now, I obviously want to try to do something that provides a little more reward than less reward, but it's not that big a deal. Yeah. It's, it's made for some struggle that way because I live in an economy that change isn't so easy. Mm. You, know, you know, when you live in a community of 20,000 people in a region of 70,000 people that spread out over hundreds of miles, it's not so easy to find a different job compared to living in the lower mainland of British Columbia where it's a drive down the street and you can change, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the goal of provision becomes and and uh, and the ends to the means, right? Becomes more important than what you actually do. Mm. And then what your means is I think is more important than what the mm-hmm. uh, the end is, right? So what you do, yeah, okay. You know, and a, and a great example is you you know you go to rugby and there's guys of all different backgrounds and blah 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 blah. And that all gets put aside and you just have some fun doing what you do. Yeah, no, I like that. I like yeah. that. So you know, we we could be you know, and that's one of the joys of it is you meet people. And it, it can be, it doesn't have to be rugby, it could be a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Mountain biking or skiing or whatever. And you go out and you have that common interest and, you know, potentially passion or whatever. And and you go out and you enjoy the context of what you're doing without all that other baggage. I like that. Hmm. That's deep, Jim. Hmm. It, it's interesting how... Um, our uh, podcasts go sometimes. We just never know where it's going to take us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a winding road. Yeah, it's a winding road. You know, I mean, when I yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about um, the shift in climate right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I figure it would be complete if we didn't at least capsulize a little bit on what's been happening in our wonderful British Columbia weather this this uh, winter. I mean, Jim, you've probably seen a bit of snow up there, eh? Hey. Yeah, but I'm going to take a step back to the fall. You know, I've lived here for quite a while, and this is the wettest fall I've ever lived through. Mm-hmm. It was intense. We had a lot of rain. This was like being in Vancouver in October. Mm-hmm. We had that much rain in November. It was it was unbelievable. And then, you know, the winter so far has been an old-fashioned winter. We've got a lot of snow. It's cold. You know, it's, minus, it's currently about minus 22 here. You know, this morning it was minus 29 with the wind chill up to minus 34. So it's a pretty pretty brisk day, and it's been that way for a few days now. You know, we've had regular snow, and often in the last few years we'll get rain followed by, or rain follows snow because of how warm the, the weather coming in is, and we haven't had that so far this year. So... That's why I say it's an old-fashioned winter. Yeah. And we, we would get the minus 
25 to minus 30 for three weeks straight. You know, luckily we're only about four days into it. It looks like it's probably got another four or five and, and we'll get a gradual warm up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in Vancouver Delta down here, I mean, we've been noticing, I guess it's all about elevation, right? But even within the same neighborhood, as you move down a few feet, you'll notice it goes from snow to rain to ice or whatever. And I try to re resist the the idea of, of um, fully investing in new snow tires, but um, it's almost inevitable now because I looked at the, the patterns of um, weather coming up for the next two months, and um, it's uh, it's getting to the point where it's almost going to be a requirement. And I, what's worse is that uh, everybody's trying to dance around the need for it, but then those are the same people you're driving on the road with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> you can you can. You have to invest in yourself, but you can't control what others invest in. Exactly. I mean, everybody's going to have a different perspective. Everybody's financial situation is different. Um, but, you know, what, how our value system goes is uh, all relative. Like, I'm not planning to make any huge hikes up to Whistler or some or from mountains to go uh, skiing. So I don't really need it to the same level. But I'm still investing in it because I want to be able to stop on ice and I don't want to be the one causing accidents rather than <laughs> the other way around. But hopefully... It'll uh, come in handy this winter for the next few winters, and uh, like you said, like we talked about, it's an investment in in uh, peace of mind too, right? Yeah, and it's an investment in protecting your insurance. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, you know, uh, on a on a jump topic, you know how we were watching the shift thing. The last line of the movie that um, that came about was kind of really cool. I I had missed this the first few times I watched it, but Wayne Dyer closes with this line. He says. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Which is kind of interesting. You know, it's like... It's like you, you start to look at the symbiotic relationship between elemental nature and, um, and uh, people and things and even dynamic things as the universe. And um, we each play our role. Like... For example, um, if you, you let, if you're a, a father, a son, a, a wife, a husband, and you go through your life um, playing a role in someone else's life, I remember there's a, a phrase or a, a line in the movie where he was saying how um, you know if your if your existence has made um, another person's life easier or made a lot impact on another uh, being's existence, um, then you've accomplished something, you know? But he's not talking about accomplishment as an, a task, but if, if you've left some kind of level of impact on someone else's life, um, then your existence had meaning. Yeah. It, 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 I think a lot of people think they're insulated from how their actions affect others. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, people have to realize that the law of physics has that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So, you know, when you put something out there, something's going to happen. And hopefully, you know, what you put out there is good and positive. Yeah. I mean, I just think that, um, a lot of times we um, 
are on the. I, I think we think, like you said, I think we're all. I think we believe that we're insulated just because um, we go through our day to day. We don't see how our actions actually impact others, and that um, our influence does these days with technology. Our influence doesn't have to be regional. For example, the fact that you and I communicate through media, um, you know, hundreds if not a thousand, well, I don't know how many miles away it is between you and us, <laughs> but uh, let me just ch check the miles, but regardless, the fact that we're able to bridge that gap with technology shows that we can have impact on each other's lives and consciousness without being in the same room. Yeah, there's good and bad in that. Yeah, I know, which is actually interesting, right? You are exactly 9 hours and 16 minutes away from me. 844 kilometers. Well, yeah, that's a that's a little bit uh, of a misnomer because whoever is making that calculation that it only takes 9 hours and whatever mm. doesn't realize you go over 5 passes. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it can be pretty windy. It is possible. I've done it in that amount of time. But you're not uh, very legal in your speed limit adherence. <laughs> and I'm looking at the path. You'll probably laugh, Jim. There are exclamation marks everywhere on the path to from your place to my place right now, and it shows that every every uh, exclamation mark means traffic incident on BC <laughs> traffic incident. I mean, there is literally I've never seen this many in one path before. I got to take a snapshot of this just to show you. It's hilarious. If if you were this is just a recommendation, uh, but if you were to drive from Vancouver to Cranbrook, I would suggest you, and there's there's more than one route to do it, and the time doesn't change a whole lot, and time of year you have to consider, but I would suggest the most interesting drive of that is uh, to take the whole Princeton Road through Mounting Park. Mm-hmm. That brings you along the Crow Route onto Highway Number Three, mm -hmm. right, and takes you kind of somewhat in the road less traveled compared to going to the Coquihalla and or through the Number One and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just it's just a uh, it, you know, especially if you go in the fall, it's exceptional. Yeah, and that's the route that you've got highlighted there. Yeah, 15 yeah. traffic incidents yeah. <laughs> between here and there. Doesn't look like anybody's getting anywhere fast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm zooming in. Every one, every one of those little orange exclamation marks is a traffic incident. So there's a lot of people wiping out out there. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of the challenge of going downhill or uphill on a slippery road. <laughs> yeah, so I think I'm probably in good shape by buying some a snow tires. <laughs> Yeah, but I would say, what's your average time that it would take you to drive in? Would it be like a 10 or 15, 10, 10 11 hours? Uh, this time of year, you should budget 12. Wow. That's you know, a, just because you don't, you don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, 10 and a half is pretty fair. Okay. You're going to stop and get gas and have a pee and, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I've always wanted to do the drive where it takes me three or four days to do it. Yeah. And never have. It's usually been a fairly rushed circumstance in, in making the journey. Yeah, I hear you. And that this is all about shifts and transitions. I mean, Yeah, exactly. I know, would love to make that shift and do that trip over four days. Yeah. I'm here. We'll have to meet you on the other side of that trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've had some good times. I mean, you're actually pretty close. You're probably closer to Calgary than you are uh, to Vancouver. Well, Calgary's only a four and a half hour drive. Wow. And you can do it quicker than that. I, you know, 
this was, I wasn't driving, but mm. we were not obeying the laws and we've done it. I've been in a vehicle that did it in just under three hours, but that was a little extreme. <laughs> wow. So you're pretty close to Banff as well then, right? Uh, Banff is two, two and a half hours, depending on the road conditions, you know? Yeah. You got a beautiful piece of land up there. Like near, It's not that far from Radium Heart Springs too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's about 90 minute drive to Radium. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, we all we try to make our listeners feel like they're right there, don't we, Jim? Oh, that's our goal. <laughs> that's our goal. That's our goal. I mean, you never know what shifts are going to happen when you're you're talking with Jim Winston here. Um, any <laughs> any any major New Year's resolutions for uh, 2017, there, Jim? Uh, yeah, I was kind of tapping them out this morning on the computer. I wouldn't call them resolutions; I'd just call them more observations, potential goals. Yeah, things like that, right? Um, one is uh, in the dietary area, we're going to try something called the bone broth diet. Mm. And it has a bit of a cleanse 21-day uh, program, and then you, you kind of shift a little bit after that. But, you, you know, you, you basically enter into an 80-20 thing. You follow a, a certain regimen 80% of the time, and you're free to do whatever you want 20% of the time. Mm-hmm. But the discovery that the, the bone broth is considered a superfood and can do a lot of very valuable things. Uh, you know, I have very, very minor ulcerative colitis, but it's meant to be extremely beneficial in dealing with that. And also, you know, you try to eliminate uh, grains for the majority of the time that you eat. So, you know, there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, that's kind of, you know, uh, on the other side of the coin is to continue on with uh, with yoga on the physical side, you know, mm. and have some fun with fitness. Uh, I enjoy going out to the local park here and having a skate in the wintertime, mm. a little bit of cross-country ski, cycling, you know, uh, swimming in the local lakes. There's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to get better doing some of those things, a little bit of time in the gym or the basement at home or the pool are going to be part of how that goes. Mm-hmm. as soon as I can get this shoulder turned around. <laughs> so um, th- those, are, those are kind of things on the physical side. Um, on the work side is, is that shift to creativity and activity from what I'm currently at. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and there's lots of things to explore there, lots of things to explore. It, it's, uh, it's not a clear laid-down path. There's lots of possibility. An opportunity, and that's really adventurous and encouraging. Yeah, I think 2017 is gonna. I have a. I have a, a good feeling about 2017. I, I think 2016 was a bit of a challenge. Um, you know, not. I, I don't think it's just myself, but I think many people sense the the shift and transitions that happened in 2016. Um, it's all. It's all like a matter of perspective, of course, right? It could be positive transitions or negative. Uh, there was a major U.S. election that could change everything, <laughs> <laughs> and and lots of other changes happening too. But 2017 seems to be a renewal process. At least that's what I'm looking at right now, and um, don't know what, exactly what's going to pan out. But hopeful, um, couple things that I'm I'm looking to change or transition a little bit is to really dedicate a lot more time to more inner work rather than outer work because it's very easy to focus on what's uh, visible, but the invisible is sometimes the most difficult work, but the most rewarding as well. Like for example, you can work your whole life trying to make a piece of steel or metal stronger on the outside by welding more pieces together. 
but maybe if you can find a better alloy that's a little bit stronger, it might save you a lot of time, be lighter and more nimble as well. So what I mean is that for myself, I think I'm going to be looking for in 2017 ways to get back into the consciousness of of inner wisdom, so that you know I'm making choices that are not um, not even medium term, but longer term, so that they um, lead to longer term results, like lifelong results. Now I'm not just looking at the the quick slapdash solutions now, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so major shifts in the the way that I see things and maybe life goals and and things. And another one of our other goals that I'm thinking of maintaining is continuing on with our our monthly podcasts for sure because it's been so rewarding for the last 15 episodes. We're going to keep rolling with this, you know. Oh yeah, it's it's uh for anybody out there, you know, we said this once before. You know, if you have a friend that you can have this type of discussion with, go for that coffee or that beer or have that phone call or whatever because it's the rewards are unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it, we do this for, you know, our audience, but we also do this primarily for ourselves because it, we just find that it, it makes us a great excuse to talk every month and, and try to find a connection, you know? And um, just having something to look forward to like that can change the whole, that can shift your whole consciousness right there, your whole meaning of why you exist. To, influence another person to share ideas to to actually uh, feel like you're contributing in some way to someone else's thoughts you know just to nudge them in a different direction or just to acknowledge their uh, their thought as well is a is a reward in itself yeah it's, it's you know we've talked about this a little bit in the past it's not our goal to to try to give people any sort of advice it's just to stimulate thought and mm-hmm and you know if you if you get any value out of hearing the conversation and it gets you thinking about anything that's that's our goal yeah deadly <laughs> well i think we've had another amazing episode again there jim this one ran about 45 minutes i think we're giving people some good value <laughs> you bet <laughs> well you know i'm glad that we stay so committed to this it's a good way to start out 2017 and the theme of this this uh, episode was um, talking about uh, shifts and hopefully we're going to shift it into high gear for the rest of our episodes and uh, we'll still have our listeners following us by the time it hits December <laughs> <laughs> well all the best to you Jim and we'll be talking soon thanks Winston and same to you yeah until next time I'll play us out with our new um, acoustics okay okay check this out not too annoying at all eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, audio people. We'll catch you next time. Take care, Jim. Thanks, Winston. You too. Take care.